Welcome to the I'm Not Going to Work Tomorrow podcast. podcast. Yeah, I got one in there. I remember this time. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, man? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, it's a lot better now that the stress of uh, a dragon encounter isn't on my shoulders. Oh, my God. That was stressful. Yeah. Like, I know I was stressed out because, like, I was about to die, but, like, what was your side of that feeling like? Well, I was the dragon, so. <laughs> well, I guess you really weren't that stressed out, were you? No, I was stressed out because, well, see. DM was stressed out. Dragon was not stressed out. Because we're using up all my get-out-of-jail-free cards. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, like, one left, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I really want to save it. Yeah, I don't know how you would pull a get-out-of-jail-free on this one. Yeah, ideally, we would have just stomped the kobolds and stuff last session, and then we could have used the one we used last session this session. Yeah, old uh, Tendron. Yeah. The crawler. Yeah. Yeah. But if he <laughs> if he is unmasked in front of Hedazeth, it does not end well for him. I would imagine not, but I mean, we're, we're, we put a pretty good hurting on her. Yeah. It's poor Tendron. Literally, all she has to do is just, like, hover 50 feet over him and just breathe fire on him. Yeah, there's not really much he can do to that. But, I mean, there's not much we can do to that either. Yeah. As the party, you know. She dropped down. Like, she got real personal with y'all. Like. Yeah, I was surprised you kept her on the ground as much as you did. Yeah. She wasn't intimidated by y'all in the least. No, we are ants. There's not a single thing that y'all could do that scared her. Nothing. No. She wasn't... Yeah. Dude, she had almost 300 hit points. She... Yeah, I feel pretty good about that, because I took a lot of those out. Oh, yeah. Uh, more than 200 damage was done to her. She's a bad bitch. Yeah. But, you know, we, we're we live. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, we'll do the fun part. So, they got attacked by a big red dragon. Yep. Right? Breeze fire. Big they, old... The, red, the big red dragon had a little boyfriend, had a little uh, a little guy that she had enthralled, and they kicked that guy's ass and put him in a cart. Yep, shoved a rock in his mouth. Shoved a rock in his mouth for a ball gag. Like, wow. Yeah. An apple-sized rock. Just forced it in there, broke his tooth. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you got to do what you got to do when you got stuff on hand. Yeah. You know, he was breathing fucking fire out of his mouth, so. Yeah, he's a spooky boy. He was He was pretty She taught him some rough. tricks. And then, yeah. He was a lot smarter than I was giving him credit for initially. Glut? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a smart guy. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty intelligent. You know, I was expecting, you know, kind of, with a name like Glut, you kind of expect him to be a little bit doofy. Well, you heard the turtle tell the whole story. I you mean, know, yeah. He knowingly let his uh, twin brother take the fall for him. Yeah, so he's an evil dude. He's an evil, evil guy. Yeah, he's not, they, not cool. Twin brothers, they look like mirrored versions of each other. One of them is lawful good. One of them is lawful evil. Yep. And what was what was the brother's name? Tony. Tony, yeah. Glut, Glut- and Tony. Gluttony. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I just put that together. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, because I never really... Not to sound like a jackass, but it's not my backstory, so I don't really think that much about it. You know, that's fair. You shouldn't have to be too in depth about it because you know you want to be surprised when it comes up. Yeah, you know, and 
Yeah, well, tieflings, because the two of the twins were tieflings, you know, tieflings are usually named after, like, feelings or emotions or sins. Yeah, something. Well, you know, tieflings, they come from bad blood. So they got to have some kind of negative connotation to bad them a lot of time. Blood. Yeah, they're a real Taylor Swift song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So their parents just like, well, I... I only have the one name. <laughs> Just cut it in half. Yeah, you know, it's good enough. Tony's a good name, and Glutz, he'll be fine. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, like, Limangelo and Orangelo. Yeah. Lemon Jello, Orange Jello. Michael and Pikel. Pikel! <laughs> you, you remember that episode of... Uh, yeah, from uh, Rick and Morty. Yeah, the two guys. They're uh, newscasters. Yeah. <laughs> or one, one guy's a newscaster, the other guy has like a cooking show. Yeah, and yeah. they had to film everything at the same time. Yeah. They're joined at the waist, wrecking either one. They're like cat dog. Yeah. Michael and Pikel. Yeah, because that's a normal name, you know, just Michael, but with a P. Yeah, but fucking... When my brother was born, they saw me and like, oh, there he is. Well, name him Pikel. He'll be a newscaster. (laughs) 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 Fucking improv. You Jan, Michael, you're Vincent. (laughs) Fucking. So, uh. Interdimensional TV. Yeah. Uh, It's been a long time since I got to. Dude, I've watched every episode of the first three seasons at least a dozen times. Me and Keith would just watch it over and over. Yeah. Loved Rick and Morty. I have not watched the newest season that came out. I watched up to season five, and then I guess season six came out on Cartoon Network, and then I don't have cable, so I'm just, like, waiting for it to come out on whatever. But I don't know. It's kind of lost a lot of interest for me. They took too long to make each season. They they really missed missed their opportunity. Yeah, which is really crazy to me with how they make it. Because it's very similar to like how South Park does, but they crank out an episode in six days. No shit. Yeah. South Park, they start working on it on Sunday. Or, or whatever day they... When, and that's when, why there's so much improv in the show. Yeah. So, like, South Park, I can't remember what day they air on. I think it's like Thursday or Friday. Yeah. So they start working on it seven days before that. And then they bust the whole thing out, the entire episode. They come up with a premise. They come up with dialogue. They come up with a story. They draw it all. They animate it all. They animate it all. Put it all together. Record all the voices. (laughs) Here we go. It's Thursday. Okay, let's do it again. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what a fucking hectic, like, three months that must be. Well, they do it for, like, six months out of the year. Because, you know, South Park has, like, 20-some-odd episodes each season. How are they alive still? I don't the know. The stress been, of that would have killed been me. Doing this shit for like twenty five years now. It must not be hard. Yeah. Well, they oh, haven't yeah. always done that that way either. You know, with technology and stuff, they the animation process goes through a lot faster. And they don't actually have to draw very much anymore. They don't have well, to draw it, new characters. It's all computer. But I mean, you know, back in the day, they started out. They were literally cutting out every piece of construction paper to make the thing. Yeah. Which I think that's pretty cool. It's a neat way to animate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, did you ever play any of the games? I played uh, the Stick of Truth. Yeah. I didn't get to play a Fractured Butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Fractured Butthole. (laughs) I I love how they name stuff. I liked, uh, I watched my buddy play Fractured Butthole. (laughs) And 
I like Kenny's move as Mysterion. It's like, you yeah. don't get to go. He makes you skip a turn. That's pretty cool. And when we was playing a lot of Magic the Gathering, there was this version you could play with, like, every turn, this big card flips, and it changes the way the board is. Uh-huh. And we made our own. Uh, it was, like, Emperor Magic or, or something. It was a random way we played. But, you know, we, we made our own cards and printed them out. Yeah. I made a little Kenny one. It was Mysterion, and it was the name of the card was, You Don't Get to Go. <laughs> <laughs> Opponent skips next turn. <laughs> isn't uh, isn't Magic the Gather- Gathering? I can't talk. Isn't Magic the Gathering a Wizards of the Coast thing? It is. It is owned by Wizards of the Coast. Same people that own D&D now. Yeah. But what do they really own? They've made everything Creative Commons. Yeah. I mean, you still got to buy the books. Or- do you? I mean, no. <laughs> like, but you know what I mean. So check this out. The uh-huh. stuff I have access to now. You know, I you got mean, the computer. You mean everything. Yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. I, you know, there's this awesome website that I use to access all the books. I'm not going to name it because it's awesome. I don't want it to go away. But yeah, from that website, I could literally print every page of every book. Yeah print and that's a lot of ink yeah a lot of paper a lot of ink and a lot of paper but it's still way cheaper than the fucking books themselves maybe yeah Uh, okay if you already had a computer and a and a printer Mm -hmm. then yeah it could probably be cheaper but like you're just paying for ink and paper yeah it was crazy Mm -hmm. so like several years ago my old man bought us all you know laptops and printers and stuff for school and I ran out of ink in my in my printer, and I went to my dad and I was like, "Hey, you know, my printer ran out of ink. I've had a lot of stuff to do." He's like, "Okay, well, we'll go get you a new printer." I was like, "Well, why the hell would you buy a new printer? It's cheaper. It's cheaper to buy the damn printer than it is to buy the ink. But the, when you buy the printer, the ink that it comes with, it's not as much in there as you think. But if you just need like, so you need ten really specific pages printed out." Plus, you were just to buy a whole ass printer, yeah, and do, do refill. But the new, but if you bought refill cartridges, they would last longer than the new printer. Yeah, well, I mean, that printer, that cartridge of ink lasted me from my freshman year to my senior year of high school. God damn! I mean, I didn't have to do that much, you yeah, know. That's fair. I'll be, I'll be working my printers. I, I haven't owned a printer since that printer. <laughs> the. The last printer I bought was specifically for D&D, and we ended up using it for magic and stuff, too. Yeah. But, you know. Did you do, like, stuff in color? Yeah. It's a printer. Yeah. This was, like, 2016. Well, I mean, like, good color? Yeah, I mean, not like, oh, my God, it looks real. I can put my hand right through the page. Yeah. But, but you know, pretty passable. Yeah. That's not not cool. even bad. Mine, I think, was just black and white. I don't think it really had... What the fuck kind of fucking Stone a, Age printer? Okay, for one, my dad was a cheap ass. Okay. And for two, they were really cheap printers in 2000. I remember when I was 13. No, 2007. I spent 70 bucks on a scanning printer when they were rare. That's pretty good. Brand new at Walmart. That was like I had some birthday money and I wanted to because I was drawing a lot. Yeah. You believe I used to want to be an artist? I used to want to be a graphic artist. I didn't know you could draw that good. I can't no more. Uh, as soon as I started... So, like, 
if I put music down, or you, this used to be the rule. If I put music down for a while, for like a month, all of a sudden I can draw. Yeah. Like it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, you you know had to I mean? have a creative outlet somewhere. Yeah. But if I'm playing music, it squiggles. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't have a steady hand. But I, don't I do. Either. I, I do not. I fucking, like, my hand shakes and shit. And now that I play D&D, it kind of has taken the place of music. Yeah. So, like, if I'm playing D&D, I can't really draw because I guess it's going somewhere else. That is really weird, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of is. Really weird. I only have... You only have so much creative battery to give out. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense, though. Some so, people it's have, how I'm specced. Yeah, some people have a lot more of that kind of battery capacity than they can do multiple things. Me, I, I'm not that good. I'm, I'm, a, I'm looking at about a 110 yeah. creativator. Although I have to say, I'm a lot less creative than I used to be. When I used to be, you know, I could write songs or... I never really drew... Draw, I couldn't draw to save my life. You know, I was doing stick figures at best. I'm way less musically creative nowadays. Like, yeah. I can fucking dream up some ridiculous D&D stuff off the dome. But I think everybody can, because it's just, like, real life. Yeah. Just in D&D. So, we were talking about this a little bit before we started. I, I read, I, I don't know if it's technically a book, but... uh, An epic poem? An epic poem, yes. It's not a book. It's an epic poem. Whatever you want. It's literally its own category. I read it on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) But what I was reading was the Epic of Gilgamesh. Hmm. If you've never heard of it, it's pretty interesting. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is Gilgamesh from Sumeria? Sumeria, yeah. Yeah, he's a... It it started as a Sumerian thing, then the Akkadians translated in their language, and then... Big, buff, long, curly beard, Greek-looking fella. Yes, but predates the Greeks by thousands of years. But he looks like Zeus. Kind of, sort of, yeah. So he's a, He is one of the leaders in Civilization by Sid Meier's. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. You know, you can play as Gandhi or Teddy Roosevelt or Gilgamesh or the, you know, all the world leaders. Yeah. Okay, well, I can see it. It makes sense because Gilgamesh was the king of... Hold on, I got to... There's some weird fucking names yeah. in this. Gilgamesh is a pretty cool name. He, he was the king of Uruk. 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 U-R-U-K. Um, and basically he was two-thirds God, one-third human. Sure. And it kind of tells his story, you know, through the ages. And th- this whole thing was written on stone tablets chiseled in there. You know, 2,000 years B.C., somewhere in there. And what trips me out is that it survived and we can translate this shit. Because it's written in ancient Sumerian, a completely dead language. But it's it's still language. You can decipher any language as long as it's not nonsense. Yeah, so I tracked it down. The way they were able to translate it is it was originally written in Sumerian. Which they have a couple pieces of that those tablets. There was like twelve tablets, um, and then somebody, uh, somewhere around thirteen hundred BC, uh, translated it to Akkadian, mm. which is another dead language, 
And then it got translated to Aramaic, I think it was. Oh, excuse me. And then from Aramaic, it got translated to a couple different languages. Um, because Aramaic is technically a dead language, but there's still some people out there like, supposedly Aramaic is what Jesus would have spoken. Hmm. If... Oh, geez, I got the hiccups. Yeah, you sure do. And the burpees. Yeah, that happens when I have the The hiccups. bad kind of burpees, not the kind where you jump and you hit your knees and your chest. And well, those are stuff. pretty bad burpees, too. Yeah, those are pretty bad. <laughs> I bet they smell better, though. Eh. Unless you're burping. There's, there's a whole Inception thing there. Yep. <laughs> burping a burpee is worse than a burpee. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, so Gilgamesh is a real interesting fellow. So he... He's two-thirds God, one-third human. Mm-hmm. He was born to a human mother, and she is the queen in the area. I can't remember what it was called, where they wait, were. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. Hang on. I know I keep interrupting. He's two-thirds God. Yes. One-third human. I swear to God, that's what it said. His mother is completely human. Yes. That math don't math. He should be half human. You should read the thing and then start arguing with me about math. Like, are there are there two gods involved in this? Uh, is there is this the triangle of love? Yeah, there was the okay. So she got double penetrated. It doesn't necessarily go. She into got impregnated the, from the front and the back. It doesn't necessarily go into conception. It just says he was one part. This one god, uh, the god of the sun. And then he was another part god of the wind. And then his mom. So they literally ran a train on her. Something like that, yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, it gets weirder. That's just, this is, they literally uncovered ancient Sumerian fan fiction. Like, oh, epic. (laughs) It gets weirder. All right, let's go. Okay, and so... He is kind of actually a tyrant in Uruk, hmm. um, where he's you know being king over, and his he's his destiny is to be the king, and to basically be fucking awesome at stuff. And he he's a tyrant to these people in Uruk, and the the people are just aggravated as hell. And they, they reach out to the gods and they say that, hey, you know, Gilgamesh is terrible. He's messing us up. He's, we've, we're going through famine. You know, he's... It said that basically no noble woman and no peddler's daughter. Like, hide your, chi- hide your wife. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. They're raping yeah. everybody out here. Yeah. That was Gilgamesh. Hmm. He was getting it in. Wow. He didn't care who he was. And, uh, so. Well, I mean, if your conception is completely dependent on two gods looking at your mom and being like, damn. Yeah, you're probably going to be a horny fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he was, and he was. He fucked everything. He fucked and fucked. And, and fucked. so he. There was there was a law that he put into place where he was the on a wedding night he got to sleep with the bride first, and then the groom could come in and you know get his sloppy seconds. Um, and this pissed off the people a lot, so they reached out to the gods, 
And one of the gods took a piece of clay. It was, hold on, what's her name? Anyway, it, I can't remember the name of the god. Um, but she comes up and takes a piece of clay and forms it into this fella named Inkidu. Inkidu. E-N-K-I-D-U. Inkidu. 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 And Inkidu is a wild man. He is born of the hills, and he runs with the animals in the, in the grasslands and the forest. He, he's a wild man. And Inkidu is out there. He's doing his wild man shit. He's raised on the breast milk of, of the wild animals. He's, you know. A little Mowgli. Yeah, a little Mowgli, naked as the day he was born. Naked as a jaybird. Ain't wearing nothing but a smile. And he was made in Gilgamesh's image. Because Gilgamesh is like, he's, super, he's the strongest man in the land. He's the most handsome, most beautiful. He's the greatest warrior. They made but Inc- he's, he's fucking your wife and your kids, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they made Inkadu in his image. So he thought he was the strongest and the most handsome and yada yadas. And so he's, Why does he give a fuck about handsomeness? He's been drinking the teeth. I'll, I'll get there. Okay. So Inkadu's out there. He's all muddy, naked, running around, having a good old time with his animal friends. Uh-huh. And he happens upon this trapper. And he keeps messing with the trapper's traps, and he, he's filling in the trapper's holes that he's using to trap animals with. And since he, this is like an ancient epic poem, like he just takes a shit in the hole and it's full, huh? Something like that. <laughs> he, he keeps messing with the guy's traps, and it's, it's pissing him off. He keeps seeing them every now and then. And so he, the trapper goes to his father. And he says to his father that this man, Inkadu, is messing with all my traps. We're, we're losing out on animals. I'm not bringing in enough meat. We're not eating good. And the, the father says to the son, says, go, go to Uruk, the city of great walls, and speak to... Uh, Gilgamesh? No. He, he says, go and speak to the, the priestesses of Ishtar. Uh, Ishtar is the goddess of love and fertility and war. I've actually heard that name a bunch of times. Yeah, it's where the Christians get the term Easter from. Oh! Yeah, there's a whole other thing with oh, that. Oh, don't you dare. That Easter, all those eggs are about Jesus, Kevin. No, they're not. They're about fucking. <laughs> those eggs are about Jesus. How dare you? Yeah. You're going to hell. You know the story of, of, of Easter. I know the story as well as you do. Now. You know you're going to hey, burn. You know, he, Jesus said that... Hey, you guys that are my disciples, hide these chocolate eggs, because when I get resurrected, I'm going to have a real sweet tooth. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> All right, continue with your anyway, blasphemy. So, the trapper goes and seeks the temple of Ishtar, and goes and speaks to one of the harlots, and says, you must come with me. Wait, wait, these priestesses are whores? Yeah. Oh. Ishtar, goddess of love. Fertility. And fertility. I got you. Okay. Yeah. One of the harlots. Scott down. Yeah. And so he brings her back, and they sit on the edge of a water, watering hole. And they sat there for three days. Hang on, wait, 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 wait. What if, what if Christianity had harlots as priestesses? What if every nun was a fucking hoe? 
Well, that would make a whole different system out of the Catholic school. (laughs) (laughs) Things would be very different. Imagine all the children that would be spared. Like all the little boys who didn't get buried under that church in that one place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the altar boys. You know, Christianity kind of sucks. It's... It's a really... It's it's a weird one. Really tyrannical. All religion's kind of weird to me, though. But, like, how long did, like, the Sumerian religion reign well, before... They, they Christ- were around for a couple thousand years. Yeah, and that's, that's as long as we've been talking about Christianity. Yeah. A couple thousand years. Literally 2,023 years. If you go by the church's calendar, yeah. Yeah, it could be missing 300. Yeah. But anyway, back to... Uh, what was his name? Inkadu. Inkadu. So the trapper and the harlot sit on the edge of this watering hole for three days. Uh-huh. And finally they see Inkadu and the gazelles and all the other animals. And he comes up and the trapper says to the harlot, says, strip, uh, make yourself bare and do not hold any shame and use your womanly charm. Use your womanly magic is how they worded it. And bring him to society. That's what the trapper said to the harlot. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's a loose quotation. So, you, you, use that pussy. Make him come out here to the city there. Because I'm tired of dealing with his ass. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. That, that's exactly what this is. Um, and so she goes over there, you know, stark-ass naked, seduces him, and then they lay together for two weeks. Fuck. Yeah. God damn. And this whole time, she's like, and this fella ain't packing nothing but clay. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> That's what he'd be made of. Yeah. Um, which, when I get done telling you this story, there's a whole interesting thing how this They fucked for two weeks. Okay, so he's weird, but she ain't. She need food and water and stuff. Well, I mean, there was breaks in there, so she also taught him how to, like, <laughs> speak regular language and... While they were fucking. In between, you know, you got a refractory period and all that. Okay, so it wasn't just two weeks of having sex. It was two weeks of them uh, eloping. Basically. They were in the honeymoon phase, if you would. Mm. And interspersed in there, she was teaching them stuff. All right. You know, how to be a person, basically. And so at the end of two weeks, she's like, come come to this, this shepherd's house and come eat with us. Come drink wine. And he kind of freaks out because caveman and runs away back to the animals. But the animals, they smell You man. want me to do anything beside fuck? <laughs> yeah, he, he runs off. And so when he gets back to the animals, they smell man on him. So they don't accept him back into the fray. And he, when he goes to chase after them, when they run off to like he used to, he finds that he can't, he can't keep up anymore. He ain't wild no more. He ain't wild no more. She done tamed him with that puss. So he goes back to the puss. Well, that was some good puss. <laughs> that had to be some real good puss. It must have been. It was built different back then, huh? Yeah. Yeah, fucking millions of years before the invention of toilet paper. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that pussy was nasty, bro. <laughs> anyway. So he goes back. He, ha- he eats... He had to learn how to eat bread and drink wine because it was just such an unnatural thing to him. He was eating grass and drinking milk out of a goat's titty on the edge of a mountain. 
all the women were hairy as fuck back then. Yeah. I can't get off Everybody of it. was hairy back then. Everybody was hairy. So, like, I'm talking about women had, like, leg beards. Yeah. Fucking. They look like that. Yeah. Pit beards. Yeah. Fucking full, crazy-ass bush. I'm talking about you could hide in her bush. <laughs> the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. You could, t- you could put both birds in that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, anyway. So, anyway. She does that, and then he's sitting there with the shepherds for a long time, and he sees a man come up. He He's like the night watchman for the shepherds. Yeah. And a man comes by. He says, man, where, what are, who are you and what are you doing? He says, I'm going to uh, Uruk to defend my family's honor and such like that because, you know, Gilgamesh is in there fucking everybody that moves. And so Uruk, or, um, Inkadu. Inkadu. Takes offense to this. It's like, how dare you put yourself to other people like that? You know, this Gilgamesh fellow. He says, I am the strongest. I am the most handsome. I will best you in battle. And so he goes to the city of Uruk, of Great Walls. That's how they keep describing it in the story. City of Great Walls. Yeah, and he goes there, and Gilgamesh is making his way down the street going to the bride's house and their in their wedding bed. Mm. He's trying to go get him some from this new bride. And uh Inkadu takes offense to that and they start fighting in the street. And they're they're pretty evenly matched. Gilgamesh winds up besting Inkadu. But in that they become friends. Mm. And Gilgamesh kinda you know, he, he quit take. He no take. He no he didn't take that day. Okay. So Gilgamesh is like standing over him. He's all beaten and bloodied. And Gilgamesh is like, you know what? You take a good ass whooping, boy. (laughs) Oh, I forgot to tell you. So each of them had dreams about each other. They were real cryptid. Oh. And cryptic. uh, Cryptic. Cryptid is like Bigfoot. Yeah, well, cryptic. And Gilgamesh has talked to his mom about it. And she said that, um, this dream you had is foretelling of a comrade that will be with you and love you like a brother. Okay. And so he sees Inkadu after this whole fight and he's like, you know what? Nobody's ever come that close to whooping my ass. I think you're, you're my new buddy. Mama said, knock you out, but she also said, take you home. So, okay. (laughs) So they become real good buddies. Mm. So now they fuck everything. Yeah. For a little while. Um, you know, because concubines and all that was a normal thing back then. But just imagine the terror, just the horror of the onlookers. Like, not only do we have Gilgamesh, this horrible graper. Yep. We got this, this semi, this. Now we got this fucking identical made in his image. Wild man rolls into town and then they fight. And now they're friends. Now there's two of them. Yeah, but Gilgamesh kind of had a change of heart at that point. He he no longer take. Mm-hmm. You know, now he has he he keeps wife and concubines. So wild beast, tame, civilized man. <laughs> in a way, yeah. Okay. There there's a lot of uh, duality in these stories. Duality. And so that was. All right, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> That's duality. I know. Anyway. Um, 
So that was the end of Tablet 1. Tablet 2 starts up where Enkidu and Gilgamesh are kind of sitting there talking. And it's like, you know what? And Gilgamesh is talking and he says, I want to be able to write my name where no man has written his name before. I want to stamp my name on the, the Isles of Time. And so they decide that they're going to go kill this big old thing out in the woods. Um, and his name was... Hold on. That's not it. Where the hell is this thing? I got the thing pulled up. I don't know. I got to remember was do better oh humbaba there it is humbaba is the name of whom humbaba uh humbaba the terrible humbaba he is a guardian of uh the sacred cedar wood okay how do we come about humbaba again so gilgamesh and inkadu are sitting there and gilgamesh says i want my name to be written on the pages of time basically Mm -hmm. he he wants he wants to be famous more than he already is. He wants his name to live on for an eon, you know. He really he really wants people to know who the fuck he is. Well, we're talking about him, so he succeeded. Yeah, you know, 4,000 years later. Yeah. Some odd. And so he devises a plan to go kill this Humbaba that is a guardian of the Cedarwood. And Humbaba is like this giant, well, he's a giant of sorts, He's this terrible kind of monkey looking, kind of crazy looking thing. If you see, they have some statues of him that they found and carvings of him. Mm. It's crazy looking motherfucker. Was it describe him? Um, I'll pull up a picture of him so I can tell you about. I'll put a picture on the screen for uh, viewers right now. There's a mama. So think of like the Monkey King, mm-hmm. but much bigger. With like a weird mustache, kind of scary looking. Okay. Big old gnashing teeth. Okay. Yep. So he goes to big old gnashing teeth and Baba. Yep. So they go out there and, um. Now, how do you spell hum Baba? H U M B A B A. Hum Baba. Okay, so I would just I would have spelled it without the U, just hum Baba. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, no, it's more like hum, Baba. Hum, Baba. <laughs> yep. And so they devise a plan to go out there and kill that guy. And so they they arm themselves. They get this, these giant axes and these giant swords and big old shields and stuff. And they they set out on their trek. Uh, but before they leave, they get the. Uh, so I can see why Gilgamesh is invested in etching his name in time. But what does Ziggy Boogie do? Give a fuck. Inkadoo. Inkadoo. <laughs> that's because that's his friend. He, you know, I want to help you have your name and stuff. Yeah. Also, bitches. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some fringe benefits there. Yeah. Um. And so they they stop by his Gilgamesh's mother's house, and they get her blessing, and she goes to the sun god and asks him to protect them while they're out. Hmm. And so they leave on their journey. They go through this this whole ordeal going up and down mountains and stuff, and each night they would pray to the sun god mm-hmm. and 
do a little dream ritual to to the moon god, and they would they were bestowed these terrible dreams, or Gilgamesh had these terrible dreams, and he would wake up and tell Enkidu, and Enkidu would decipher them, and he would be like, "No, that's not what you think it is. This means that we shall vanquish our foe." You know, he's really he's pumping the Gilgamesh. He's up. gassing him up. He's gassing him up pretty hard. By the end of a Gilgamesh is like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking kill that thing. Yeah, you and know, after after he gets the pep talk. Yeah, and so six days later, you know, they it keeps saying they they traveled in one day what would have taken a month and a half for a man. Yeah, they're fucking they're booking it. Well, there's you know there's what is it? There's one and a third gods between the two of them. Yeah, pretty pretty intense. Okay. <laughs> and so they they get to the cedar cedar wood where this thing this humbaba is uh residing and they cut the trees to get its attention. And they get its attention. And as this thing's coming up, it's shaking the earth and they're they're both sitting there like, "Oh crap, we have messed up bad." <laughs> and so Gilgamesh is getting ready to turn around and Inkadu is like, no, dude, we are doing this. You had a dream, goddammit. You had these dreams. We will vanquish our foe, you know, gassing him up some more. Yeah, Whatever happens, we're going to win. So and, say it the gods. Yeah. We have the gods on our sides. We shall kill this thing. And so they do. They, they have this kind of epic battle and uh, Inkadu is actually the one that kills it. Mm. Where, how, did, how does he kill it? So I don't remember exactly, but Gilgamesh and this thing are kind of wrapped up for a second there, and Gilgamesh is trying to hit him with his axe, and he keeps missing. And Enkidu comes from behind and stabs it right there where the neck and the back meet mm. and takes it out. They wound up cutting its head off and taking it back with them. When they got there, you know, all the, the warriors and all the women of the of the town come out and cheer them on and stuff. And they're great heroes. Um, and that's, that's basically the end of the second part of the book. The third part opens up where, you know, some time has passed now and Inkadu is telling Gilgamesh that like, I'm bored. You know, we we did all this stuff. We did some cool shit. I won't kill something else. I'm bored. And Gilgamesh tells him, you know, we we should find some more things to do. Eat some more grapes, you fuck. <laughs> and while that conversation is going on, it, it has kind of like a flashback, I guess, mm-hmm. of Ishtar coming on to Gilgamesh, wanting him to be her bridegroom mm. or her husband, you know. She wants to marry him, and Gilgamesh basically tells him, "Now, last couple dudes you fucked, you killed those guys." That's fair. Yeah, yeah. she's a black widow. Yeah, she is. Um, and so he he tells her, "No, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but you you were messing with this one guy, and you turned him in, you know, to to a donkey." You was messing around with this other fella, and now he is all the crocodiles. And... Yeah, so how about you suck my dick figuratively? Yeah. <laughs> and he tells her no, and she gets mad, and she goes to her father, um, An, I think is his, Anu, 
A N U. Did he have father. an evil brother named Off You? No. Oh. Um, His first name should have been Jack. Jack on. <laughs> Jack Off You. Jack on you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's a Jacophosaur. <laughs> anyway, that was a stupid. Joke. Anyway, Ishtar goes to On, her father, and tells him that Gilgamesh has scorned me. He has made fun of me, and done all this. I wish to take the bull of heaven and go down there and show him what for. The bull of heaven. The bull of heaven. Hmm. Um, and what the bull of heaven is, it's actually, you know, it's basically a plague. It's the pestilence. It's, you know, what, it, it, it's what, um, you know the story of Moses? Mm-hmm. How, you know, these seven terrible things descend upon Egypt? It's basically what the bull of heaven is. I'm telling you, there's a lot of parallels between stuff in the Bible and the Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm. A lot of parallels. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds like we might be playing a little bit of a game of telephone there. A little bit. Hmm. Telephone through the ages. And so, uh, Anu tells Ishtar that I cannot let you take this. You know, if you take them down, if you take the bull of heaven and go down there and do what you are going to do to Gilgamesh, then it will cause the crops to fail for seven years. The, it will not rain. There will be famine. All the people will die because of your scorned lover, your wannabe lover. And she tells him, she actually tells him a lie. She says, I have stored up grain for seven years and water for seven years and grass seed, and all this, so that there will be none, and it will just be upon him. And see, he says, if this is true, then here you go. She gives him, or he gives her, the the bull of of heaven. She takes it down there, and she shows up in Uruk. And Gilgamesh and Enkidu see this, and they they go to fucking tussling. And so Gilgamesh... Gilgamesh grabs the bull by the horns, basically, and is, like, fighting it and stuff. And Enkidu comes up again, kind of from behind. Cuts its head off. So they had tank and DPS. Yep. Okay. And this pisses Ishtar off to no end. So they kill the bull of heaven. They kill the bull of heaven. No plagues. No plagues. Okay. And this pisses Ishtar off to no end. So she starts running away, and Enkidu cuts off the back leg of the bull and throws it at her, and, and like mocking her. Yeah, I mean, if they could kill the bull of heaven, they could easily kill her. Yeah. And what I think is kind of interesting, too, the gods are, like, yes, they have divine powers, but they're, they're more human. At least when they stories. set foot on Earth. Yeah. So a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's not like this all-divine being. It's, you know, it, they, they have singular jobs there's multiple gods it's multi-theist kind of situation and it's just much more humanizing i think i think it's interesting um it sounds way this sounds way more uh compelling than like even greek mythology yeah it's a little easier to follow the godliness of greek mythology is Confusing. Yeah, because Zeus is such a pompous ass. Yeah, after this, I'm going to tell my favorite Greek mythology story. Okay. Um, well, I'll start getting into a bit more of the cliff notesy parts here. 
Um, Bring it on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm in. Okay. So that happens. Um, now there is the, that was the end of the, what was that on this third book? Yeah. The yeah. Third you're, tablet. On, you're on the third. So I, these are all written in tablets, mm-hmm. you know, so there's first, second, first tablet, second tablet, third tablet. Now we're in the fourth tablet. Okay. The fourth, but, you know, so he threw the leg of the bullet at her. Did he kill her? No, it didn't kill her. Okay. He just threw it at her in like a mocking kind of thing. Like, haha, we killed your beast. Yeah. So good dick, bitch. Yeah, basically. And so she goes back and counsel, gets a council of the gods up and says, this Gilgamesh and Inkadu are causing too much trouble. They have caused strife and all the yada yadas. Are Gilgamesh's two daddies there? Uh, yes. So they're, they're part of that pantheon. Um, I, I can't remember their names and I don't have enough time to like look it up. That's fine. But so they're like, well, what do you propose then Ishtar? Like, I want one of them dead. And they're like, well, kind of fucked up, but you know, whatever. Didn't Ishtar make, who, who made uh, Ziggy Boogie Dude? Um, Inkadu. Inkadu. <laughs> Uh, you told you said the name earlier. Hold on. If it wasn't Ishtar, don't worry. I'm just trying to make sure that it's not the same woman. Ziggy Boogie Duke. It doesn't say. I derailed you. Continue your story. Yeah, it. In the actual story that I read, it said, but I'm looking at Wikipedia to just remind me of some of the names and stuff, and it, it doesn't say there. Okay. But um, where was I? Oh, yeah, so Ishtar, she, you know, she forms the council. She's scorns, forms the council, says, I want them dead. She, she wanted both of them dead, and the council was like, well, we'll give you one, but you can't have both of them. And so, because Inkadu was the one that actually killed the Bull of Heaven, he was decided to be the one. And so, he gets hit with a a pestilence, um, you know, a sickness. Plague. Yeah, and he, he takes sick, and he's, in his, he's on his deathbed, you know, for 12 days. And on his deathbed, he, you know, he's like, man, fuck this. I was... A mountain of a man. I could do things. I was this and that and the other. And you know what? Fuck that trapper that brought that woman out there. I set I set a curse upon him. May he never gain his full ability. May he never have a full pot of food. You know, this, that. May his pot be forever uh, half empty. Yeah. That kind of thing. And then and he was like, as a matter of fact, fuck that woman too. That woman that made me come to civilization. You know, I put a curse on her. May she never have a wealthy benefactor. May she always sleep on a pile of dung. And it, like it actually says that in the thing, in the translation. And there's a couple other things that he scorns her for. And the the sun god, the one that they had originally prayed to to help them with Humbaba. He kind of comes up and is like, hey, man, you know, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, that's a real fucked up thing you just did. What'd you said that for? <laughs> yeah, you know, 
Think about all the good that you've had. Think of your your friends, your brother, uh, uh, Gilgamesh, and all the adventures that you've had and the good times. You know, do not let this one bad instance outweigh all the good. But it's the bad instance, Daddy. It is it's the, the bad instance. It is the bad instance. But, you know, he, he listens to the words of this god, and he he... He becomes mournful. He's like, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I, I take the curse back. May they all prosper and yada yada. Because, you know, that, that it's teaching a lesson. It's like you can hold on to... to he forgives. You can, you can hold on to the negative, but in the end, what is it really going to do for you? All it really does is make you bitter. Yeah. And that's what Inkadu was. He was bitter and resentful that he was in this state. So he's just trying to track it all the way back to where it started. Said, fuck them, fuck her, fuck this. Yep, basically. And so, you know, he's on his deathbed for 12 days. And he's stricken blind, he's, he's malnourished, he's, he's just real bad. And Gilgamesh is there by his side the whole time. And, you know, Gilgamesh is just stricken with grief. And when, Gil, when Inkadu finally dies, he wouldn't let them bury him. For like two weeks, and well, it doesn't say exactly how long. He says until stricken with worm, until he got maggots. Yeah, he would not let him bury him until, until he then. seen his fucking skin moving. Yeah, and he he decreed to all of his underlings, you know, all the people he ruled over, that you shall mourn with me. We will all mourn this occasion. You will and be I will- sad, and you will fucking lick it. And he says, I will grow my hair long in remembrance of him. And, and I will cast away these robes of these fancy robes. And I will go and I will kill the lion and I will wear his pelt. His pelt is my clothing. And so that's basically what he does. And that opens up into the next tablet. That's really interesting. Like if you play as Gilgamesh or if you meet him in Civilization Six, he has long curly hair. Uh-huh. He's wearing like a fucking, it's like a, a toga robe. Yeah. And it's got like this gold pin with a lion on it. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. To understand where that comes from now. Yeah, you, dude, you would, you would pour over this stuff. It sounds like it. it. It's pretty interesting. Like it got me reading a lot of other things too. Like I actually started uh, the book of Enoch today as well, hmm. which kind of plays into this a little bit. I didn't get very far, so I can't really talk about that one a whole lot. So what happens to Gilgamesh after? Okay, so after Inkadu dies, he goes into mourning. Mm-hmm. And he he leaves Uruk behind for a while. And he just wanders. He wanders the grasslands and the hills and the, and the forests. And he is terrified one night of, of the lions. This is before he he got the pelts and stuff, and he was just he was being a wild man in remembrance of Inkadu. And he prays to the moon god one night, and the moon god sends him a vision in his dreams of him becoming triumphant again. But he tells him the path that you are walking is not your true destiny. And so when, when Gilgamesh awakes, it's still the middle of the night, and he's surrounded by lions. And he kills all of them with his bare hands, and he takes their pelts, and that becomes his clothing then. 
And he thinks to himself, how is it that I have done so much? But they still, Inkadu and I did so much, but they still take him from me. He still died. I do not wish to die. I don't want to wish to die at all. That looks fucking terrible. (laughs) To be stricken with worm. Absolutely not. And so he, he decides, you know what? I'm going to go to my father and I will speak to him and I will find out the answer to living to uh, forever living or eternal life. There we go. Forever living. Yeah. I couldn't think of the word eternal life. You got it. You got there. (laughs) Um, He heard of a man named something, something crazy. Bliptal poop. Might as well be. Uh, we don't have a character list in here. Don't don't push. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I can't remember the guy's name. He hears about a guy that the gods made uh, immortal. And so he wants to go talk to his father to figure out how they did that, how he can do that. And so he sets out on this journey. It's a long journey. And he comes he comes to a mountain and he he goes to the top of the mountain and he finds these two half scorpion, half dragon, half man kind of deals. Three halves. Okay. He's three halves. That's fine. Yeah. It, it's described as a scorpion type monster that is looks like a scorpion but is also a dragon, but kind of has... It's got wings and the scales. The mannerisms of a human. And humanoid-esque, but it's a scorpion. Yeah, and they're, okay. they're giant creatures. You know, it's a monstrosity, if you would. <clears throat> but they, they seem to be like a married couple, almost. And he comes up, and the scorpions stop him and say, What do you want here? And as, as he approaches, they become even larger, and they start to glow this magnificent light. And a normal man would have been turned away and just left. But because Gilgamesh is who he is, he's he such is this, this badass. He, he continues forward and he goes to speak with them. And they say, what do you want? He says, I have come here to travel to the plane of my father and ask him for the knowledge for which I seek. And they're like, bitch, nah. Mm, you can't come the, the, the one is like, nah, bro, you ain't getting in here. And then... The other one speaks up and says, No mortal has ever dared come through here. What makes you think you are so... Please tell me this evolves into, like, the one tells lies, one tells truths. No. Balls. No, that's uh, Egyptian. I know, but still, wouldn't it be neat if it just came up here? It would have. No, they, they, he basically tells them, I am Gilgamesh of Uruk, the king of, or the king of Uruk, the Great Walls. I have come here to seek the knowledge for which I want. And they're like, you know what? We respect that. If you can make it through this tunnel that's 12 leagues long and completely pitch black, you can ask them your question. Or you can try at least. You can certainly try. Yeah, you can certainly try. (laughs) (laughs) You got some balls. You can try. And so he does. He walks and he's going up was basically like a giant tunnel that just keeps going up and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to mention. So where he found this mountain where these creatures were was the edge of the world. Mm. So they still had flat earth back then. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, and so he, he goes through this, and on the first league, it is 
pitch black dark. He cannot see light forward or behind him. And it keeps telling you that every time it's another league. So he goes one league, pitch black, no light forward or behind him. Second league, same thing. Third league, fourth league, fifth league. Finally, he gets to the 11th league and it's pitch black and he sees no light before him or behind him. He keeps going, gets to the 12th league and he sees before him a spot of light. He goes towards it and he comes out and it's basically like, you know, Greek mythology a little bit. So it's basically like Mount Olympus, mm-hmm. but up there, it's an entire world mm. of, you know, he's, he's in the realm of the gods now. And the hard thing he had to do was walk through the dark for 12 leagues. Yep. What is a league? I don't know. It's a thousand li- leagues under the sea. It's a little less than a mile. I think it is. So yeah, he, he walked like 10 miles. Something like that. In the pitch black dark, had no idea where he was going. Ooh. But it's a cave. Basically. Okay. But it was more, I think more interdimensional portal, I think. Oh. Okay. So it's a little more mysticism. Yeah, it's more mysticism. There's no wall he can follow. There's no No, it was just pitch black, nothing. Presumably starve. Yeah, you could potentially starve and stuff. But anyway, he gets to the top there. His path was true. He really wanted it. Yep. He gets to the top there, and he sees a woman, and he starts to approach her. And she sees him and starts locking up the gates and shit. It's like, oh, God. Because mm-hmm. he, the way they put it in the story is that his his face was um, gaunt and looked as though he had been on a long journey and his clothes were ragged and dirty he, and he he just looked like disheveled well he had been living in the wilderness before this right yeah and he comes up to him and he says I am Gilgamesh and he says if you are Gilgamesh why do you look in such a way and he says because I have been that way and they go okay what do you want why you look so rough it's been rough bitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what it was <laughs> And so he he goes up to the woman, and she's she's a god. And he asks her where he could find his father at. And she doesn't want to tell him, but then eventually she tells him. And he says, okay. So he goes over to his father, and his father does basically the same thing. He's like, if you were Gilgamesh, why do you look in such a way? And he says, because it has been such a way. Yeah, it fucking sucks. Shut up. Yeah. And he asks his father... What? Who is this man that you gave eternal life to? How did you do it? Why did you do it? He says, I cannot tell you those things, but I can tell you where to find him. You must first go to this other guy. Jesus. <laughs> he, is, he is the ferryman. You go to the ferryman, and he will take you to the far away. To the far away. Yep. And so he goes, he he got mad at this, and he actually starts striking out with his axe and hitting stuff, and what he does is he breaks the ferryman's tackle, Mm. you know, that he uses to get there. And he and the ferryman kind of get into an argument, and the ferryman says, you know what, I will take you, but you have to go do this for me. you got to go into the woods. This guy keeps racking up fetch quests. Oh, yeah. You go into the woods and cut log, log poles, lodge poles, lodge poles, there we go. Cut them 60 cubits long 
which I think a cubit is a little bit more than a foot or something. I'm not God exactly damn. sure. The long, they use weird measurements long, in this story. Long. Cut them 60 cubits long each. You will cut 120 of them. And then fashion um, fashion eyelets to them and then bring them back. And so Gilgamesh does, and he brings them back, and he says, okay, now we can leave. And so they do, and they get almost all the way out there, and then they have to start using the, the lodge poles to get themselves further out there. They get up to this island, and he walks up, and he goes, and he sees a man standing there. This man introduces himself as... The immortal. Yeah, he, he, he's the new immortal man. And Gilgamesh asks him, how did you become immortal? And he says, well... I will tell you a story. It is a great story. And this is this is where Christianity starts playing a role here. Mm. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about. He says the immortal man says that the gods became aggravated with mankind. They were making too much noise and were disturbing their slumbers. And so one god uh I think the god's name was like Sumner or something like that. The god Sumner had decided that mankind shall be no more. There will be no more man. And without consulting any of the other gods, he ca- he's going to cause this giant flood. Mm. Well, another god... Um, An- Anu- oh yeah, it was Anu. Anu catches, catches wind of this. And he goes down and he finds this one fellow, the guy that becomes immortal. And he tells him that there will be a great flood. You will make this boat of this dimension and you will I'll be gather up your house. I will be goddamned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you will gather up your house in this boat so and you will Noah. get... It's fucking Noah's Ark. <laughs> it's Noah's fucking Ark. Yeah. Just this about. is where we get Noah's Ark. Yeah. From, From the Epic of Gilgamesh. Jesus, but fucking Christ. You see what I'm talking about? Dude, nothing's true. What's true? What a, my whole life's a lie! <laughs> I was baptized! <laughs> what does that mean? What God do I owe allegiance? <laughs> Beats me. Anyway. The old ones, apparently. Um, anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, so... Uh, Sumner tells the immortal fella before he was immortal. I thought On was the one who went down. Yeah, Anu. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Sumner was the one that's causing the, the flood. Anu came down. Made an immortal. Told Sumerian Noah that you'll make the boat, you'll gather your house in it, and you will gather two of the... He doesn't say two of each animal. He says um, the seed of each animal. Mm. And gather them up on this boat, and you will survive. Do as I say. I have spoken. And so he does, and he spends the next, like, two weeks building this giant boat, getting it together, and the whole time, he's apparently pretty rich, so he's able to pay for all this stuff to get done. He has people out there. He feeds them all, gives them really good wine. But at the end of it, it's just his house that gets on there. And so, at the same time that that Anu had told him to be ready, he was ready, and here comes 
the storms. And the storms raged for a week, and the, the tide came up, and they floated. And they did this for, you know, some amount of time. It wasn't 40 days and 40 nights. It was just a long time. It was for a while. And they eventually spot a mountain, and they kind of steer towards the mountain, and they get hung up on the mountain. And for a while there, you know, the ship held good. They watched as the waters receded. The ship held again. They they waited a little bit longer. The ship kept holding. And so at that point, uh, Sumerian Noah, he takes a something, then a dove, then a then a then a raven. Mm-hmm. No, it was a he's he takes a dove first, lets it go. It eventually it comes back. Did you know that in Greek mythology, all ravens and crows used to be white? No, I did not. Yeah, yeah. Ravens and crows used to be white. And uh, a crow came... So, remember, you know the story about uh, Apollo's son stealing the chariot? Yeah. Yeah, well, apparently when Apollo's son stole the chariot and flew off in it, a crow came to tell Apollo, hey, your son stole the chariot. And Apollo was like, that's not true. My son wouldn't do that. And the crow was like, uh, yeah, the fuck it is true. He did do it. He's right out there. Why don't you just look? And he's like, don't fucking lie to me. And he scorched him black. And since then, crows have been black. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. I like that story. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Sumerian Noah sends out a dove first. The dove stays gone for a bit, and then it comes back, meaning it didn't find any more land. He then sends out a... Uh, Shit, I just had it. Magpie. A finch. Finch. No. A sparrow. A sparrow. sparrow. There we go. He sends out a sparrow. A sparrow named Gus. Sure. A sparrow Gus. Asparagus. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> he sends out the sparrow, and surely enough, the sparrow comes back. They wait a little while longer. He sends out a raven. The raven does not come back. So at this, they know that it is safe to come out. And so they start to get out of the boat and stuff. They unbatten, unbatten down the hatches. They come out. And to show their thanks, they set up a uh, a sacrifice and a, um, what do you call it? Like an offering to the gods. Mm-hmm. And so they do tribute. this. Yeah, they set up tribute for the gods. And the gods smell this this wonderful aroma, and they come down. They all gather, except some ne- Sumner, yeah, the flood. Or whatever his name is, the flood guy. And um, he woke up, took a piss, and went back to bed. Yeah, actually, in this story, Ishtar is the one that kind of is speaking, and she says, "Let us all rejoice that humanity has continued on in these people, and that we are still." here to be able to enjoy this all except that fucker yeah and then that guy shows up and everybody's like hey you know what you did this you didn't talk to none of us about this you didn't clear any of this bro yeah like what the hell you're supposed to call a meeting bro what the fuck bro and so to make amends for what he had done he takes uh sumerian noah and his wife back in the boat and he sets them both down on their knees on either side of him and he bestows upon them eternal life hmm and so that is how 
they became immortal. What about the lady, though? We ain't heard about the lady, Don. Well, she's there, too. She has some other lines in the story. Ah, you just sort of... She's yeah, like kind of glossing over. She just... She comes in in just a minute, actually. And so he tells Gilgamesh this whole story. And so he's like, so there's no way I'm going to... They're not going to do that for me. There's no, unfortunately not. You were told that this is not your destiny. Well, fuck. Yeah, and so he kind of, he's like, well, damn. And so he turns around, and he starts going back. Samaria so Noah's wife comes up, and is like, hey, you know, he came all this way. You could give him something. And so the Noah character is like, yeah, I guess. He says, hey, Gilgamesh, hold up. He goes up and says, though you have not found what you are looking for, there is something that might be of interest to you. These nuts! Sorry. No. <laughs> he says, there is a plant at the bottom of the ocean. You can go down there and pick it. It has thorns like a rose. When you consume it, you will be as if you were a younger man. So Gilgamesh hears this, and he's like, okay, so there's still a chance. I could, you know, I could, I could go back a couple years, get, some, get back some of this life that I've wasted a bit. Goes back to Earth, tries to swim to the bottom of the ocean, drowns. No, he's still on the godly plane. Okay. So he ties rocks to his feet, and he goes down there, and he, pull, he finds this, this plant, and he pulls on some of it. He gets it, and he cuts the rocks off his feet, swims back up. Him and his new ferryman buddy... They jump back in the boat. They go back across the ocean. And they start going through. The ferryman has been dismissed. For reasons that I don't remember anymore. And so he's like, well, why don't you just come back to Uruk with me? And hang out for a while. I was like, yeah, okay. And so they're walking through. And Gilgamesh hasn't eaten this plant yet. And they come upon a waterfall. And so Gilgamesh decides he's going to bathe. And as he's doing that, a serpent comes up and steals the plant from him and eats it. And he watches as the serpent swims away. It sheds its outer skin and becomes more vibrant and brighter as if it got younger. Mm. And so this, this tears up Gilgamesh. He's like, God damn it. Why didn't you just eat the fucking flower? <laughs> well, he had a plan to go back to Uruk and give some of it to an older, older man. And see what it did to him. And then he would take it himself if it worked. Which apparently, according to the serpent that swam away, it works. Totally works. Totally works. And so this pisses him off. And so he's just defeated and he goes back. And... Yeah, I think that was basically it. That's the end of the story. Yeah, he, he accepts his mortality right then and there. He said he has to come to. He doesn't really accept it. He just has to come to terms with it. There's another one that they're kind of debating on if it's actual canon or if it was, you know, just written. It's assumed that Gilgamesh really lived. Yeah, yeah it is. But I mean, it's also assumed that Ragnar Lothbrok really lived. Yeah. Well, I mean, there. I think there's a historical record of that. Uh, I can't remember how Gilgamesh dies. They say, they kind of talk about it, but. Well, he's a mortal man, so he could have died any kind of way. Yeah. 
But that's that's. I don't really story. remember how he died. That's cool though. I, like, I like I like shit like that. I love I love stuff like that. And Gilgamesh is honestly Gilgamesh is a really really good. Hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I found the goddess that made uh, Inkadu. What's her name? Aruru. Aruru. A R U R U. My name's Aruru, and I'm gonna make Aruru. it. I'm gonna make it Inkadu. Yeah. Uh. Oh, and the woman that seduced Inkadu, her name was Shamat. Shamat. Yeah, she was a sacred prostitute. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. I. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but okay, so so that's that's really interesting. It is insane how consistent the older myths are. Like yeah. how often every single culture on the planet has a flood myth. A lot of them do, yeah. Every culture has a flood myth. Yeah, well, if you think about it, if you go to so, China, so- Japan, fucking like in their lore, their history, there is a great flood that flooded the earth. Mm-hmm. Africans, great flood, flooded the earth. Like the Caucasus, all of us from the Isle of Caucasus, great flood. <laughs> you know, fucking yep. South America, there's a great flood. The Mayans, there's a great flood. There's every, you know, grand, intelligent civilization has a myth of a flood and it has a different origin. I think it, a lot of it actually stems from the Sumerians. I think a lot because, of it. you know, you think about, okay, the Epic of Gilgamesh was recorded 2,000 years ago, or no, 4,000 years ago. Roundabouts, anyway. So, my kind of theory is on it, and this is more of a Western theory. You know, I can't speak to a lot of the Eastern religions. and You're from here. Yeah. So... The Sumerians came up with this. The Akkadians adapted it into their thing. The Jews pop up right around then. And they start adapting it into their, you know, their, the Torah and the, the Jewish Bible and stuff. And obviously Christianity was an offset of the Jewish faith. And then even Islam was an offset, uh, offshoot of Christianity. Or no, that's not right. Islam was actually an offset of Buddhism, I think, bro. Or Buddhism is an offset of 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 Islam, dude. After just having full knowledge of the telephone games that we've played through thousands of years, I don't believe anything. <laughs> I think we're just fucking monkeys. I think we're hairless fucking monkeys. I think the Sumerian big imaginations. So after doing all this this bit of research that I've done over the past couple of days into this. The Sumerians, I think, were on to some shit, man. Because that's where the Anunnaki comes from. The Anunnaki. The Anunnaki. That's the original fucking alien theory. Aha! Because the Anunnaki... So, take the word Anunnaki. It breaks down into three different pieces. Anunnaki. Anu, or An, A-N. Nuki. Nuki. Hold on, I'm getting Nuna. That. An is of the sky. Mm-hmm. Key is the earth. So. Nuna. N- Nuna is something else I don't remember. But 
An and Ki are the, the important parts here. Of the sky, of the earth. Yeah. So the Anunnaki were supposedly the creators of everything. Mm. They came from the heavens. This, this is like the basis of religion here. This is day one religion shit. This is what everything we have is based on. Yeah. Likely. The, the big three, you know, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, all stem from this. The belief in the Anunnaki and the, 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 the pantheon thereof so the with Buddhists, the Sumerians. They're actually kind of punk rock. Yeah, because they don't really have a... A god. Yeah, they're, they're anti-theism. Because there's mono- what about Hinduism? It's probably similar. H- Hindu is polytheism. They have a bunch of different gods. I don't really know where they fit in. I haven't done that much research into it's Hinduism. It's probably real similar. You know, I'm kind of weird where, like, relig- I'm not a religious person, per se, but I love religion. Well, the and mythology of it. The, you know? Yeah, the mythology of it. Some of the, just the crazy shit. And, dude, that shit translates directly into D&D. Like, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, like... After I got done reading the, the Gilgamesh story, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? This would make a really cool D&D setting. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it's based in, you know, the cradle of the, of the world, basically, where, you know, it's from Iran and Israel to Pakistan and Turkey, that, that general vicinity. That's where all of this takes place in. And I just, that... That culture and stuff just really kind of fascinates me. A lot of it sounds really, really cool. Yeah. Like, I loved... And plus, Gilgamesh had a big-ass sword and a big-ass axe. That's pretty cute. So he's like a paladin barbarian. Barbaradin. Or maybe... Paladin. Well, no, because he doesn't do magic. He's like a noble barbarian. And then Enkidu is a full-fledged fucking barbarian. With the power to curse. Yeah, but that's just because he had... He's a a a zealot barbarian. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. You got a zealot and a fucking... A fucking... A fighter. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, God King fellow. No, and that's, that's what Gilgamesh is. He's technically a God King. So he's probably what Hercules was based on. He is exactly. He's Hercules. Yes, that's another thing. So that's how this fucking telephone thing goes. Gilgamesh goes from Sumerian to Akkadian, and then the Greeks pick up on it. And then, so there's Heracles, which then goes to the, yeah, it goes to the Romans and gets kind of turned into Hercules. Right now, isn't that? I'm getting that wrong. It's okay. It's not the Romans. It, okay, okay. it gets passed around in Greece, and it goes from Heracles to Hercules. But there is a direct correlation from Gilgamesh to Hercules. I can see it. It's plain as day. Yeah. You want to you wanna hear my favorite Greek story? Let's hear it. Before we go. We, we've been at it for an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know I could talk that long. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. So, Arachnia. A what now? Arachnia. Arachnia. So this has to deal with spiders, I imagine. So. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Arachnia was a commoner in ancient Greece. Uh Uh-huh. She 
was a master weaver. She was in her early 20s, maybe late teens, and she was already the best weaver in the world. She, she could weave, you know, from loom, beautiful pictures. She could paint a story just on a piece of fabric, just weaving away. That's pretty cool. It, she was touted as the most impressive weaver ever. Uh, so much so that the locals around her said that she was uh, even more talented than Athena herself, the goddess of weaving. Wow. And lots of other things. But, yeah, you know, Athena had, was like... Tons of shit. She had like 30 pieces to her. It may not even have been Athena, but I'm going to keep using that name because I'm not fact-checking. Who cares? <laughs> it's not true anyway. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so Athena takes offense to this, Right. She comes down and she points at Arachnia and she says, Arachnia, you insult me. You truly think yourself a better weaver than I, the goddess of weave, the goddess of the weave itself and the loom. I challenge you to a weave off. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first recorded rock off in all of history. Yeah. Uh, so, so Arachnia was, is was super. Was there a tumble weave? Did somebody get their hair pulled out? No. <laughs> there was a, so Arachne is super nervous, but everyone's like, you're going to be fine. You're going to kick her ass. There's no way she can beat you. She, she can't do the stuff you can do. And Arachne is really, you know, she didn't ask for any of this. She just weaves and people said stuff and got her in trouble. And so she's nervous, but, you know, she's got to do what the, Athena asked her to do. She's going to do it. Yeah. So Athena had told her to meet on top of this hill on this day and stuff. And so on that day, Arachnia, she climbs the hill. She's standing on top of it. It's outside the village. All the villagers gather around, though, to watch. And, yeah, Athena shows up uh, in the clouds. She just looks down and uh, sort of nods so that Arachnia can begin. Arachnia goes first. So Arachnia has her loom. She has her weave. She weaves out uh, this huge tapestry over the course of uh, an hour or so, you know, reasonable time, pretty quick breakneck speed. She weaves the story of a pregnant woman giving birth to a beautiful baby boy. The baby boy becomes, you know, he grows up, he gets, you know, he experiences childhood and makes friends. He meets a girl, he gets married, he becomes a man, he gets a job, he has children of his own, he provides for them, his grandchildren are there, he's on his deathbed, and he passes away. It's a beautiful story. And it's all painted through tapestry, and everybody's just weeping with his, how beautiful, never seen weaving, so gorgeous, you know, the most beautiful story they've ever heard told, just with no words. And at the end of it, uh, you know, Arachnia is exhausted. You know, her fingers are fucking bleeding. Her face is, you know, she is, it took everything she had to weave that. Yeah. Now she's just waiting. And Athena nods and uh, she, she pulls clay from the earth. It transforms it into gold and makes a, a weave of pure gold. She takes a cloud and turns it into her thread and, or her whatever. And uses that to weave a story in the sky. She weaves a tapestry across the sky. 
but she takes inspiration from uh, from Athena, from uh, Arachnia. Uh-huh. And she tells the story of man as well, but of mankind itself. The birth of mankind, the rise of mankind, and then the fall of mankind. Before all the villagers in Arachnia, she weaves the apocalypse. She shows them the future. She shows them how they will all die. She shows them how the world will end. She weaves it in the sky. People are crying and fucking, like, killing themselves and begging her to stop. Athena does not stop. She shows them the fucking end. She shows them everything. Wow. And in the middle of this, Arachnia, she gets up and she leaves. She leaves her, she leaves everything. She walks through the crowd and they don't even notice her leaving. They're just so fixated on this fucking horror, you know, happening in the sky. And uh, Arachnia walks out into the forest um, and she hangs herself. Wow. To, to save herself from the wrath of Athena because she knows Athena's going to absolutely murder her because Athena said she would if she lost. You know, Athena told her she was going to rip her a brand new asshole. Yeah. That she would not know the terrors that she would experience if she was not who these villagers said she was. And yeah, after Athena's done terrorizing the villagers, <laughs> she fucking, they're all crying and people are killing themselves. It's, it's a it's apocalypse now, and Athena leaves that scene, and the fucking following riot <laughs> ensued, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she walks into the forest following Arachnia's path, and finds her hanging from the tree, and she looks up at her, and she reaches up and she touches her foot, and Arachnia's body begins to shrivel and get smaller until, um, you know, she's this tiny little black thing with hair uh, hanging from this thread. And she breathes, and, she, and then she climbs up the thread and sits on top of the branch. And Athena speaks to her candidly. She says, henceforth, you will be known as the greatest weaver who ever lived, will live, and lives now. And that's how we got spiders. So saith Greek mythology. Wow. Yep. They're all descended from Arachnia. <laughs> that's why we get that's why we call them Arachnids, because of that story. That's pretty cool. It's kind of a neat story, huh? Yeah. I like it. You can't really do anything with it, but it's a it's kind of spooky. Yeah. It's it gets real dark when she goes and hangs herself. Yeah. Well, she didn't want Athena to fucking flay her alive, <laughs> you know? Yeah. She's like, well, you know, I did my very best. I never claimed to be the best in the first place. I'm going out on my own terms. I'm not letting Athena do this to me. Because I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fair. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, I died. I think I said something about it earlier, but I I just think it's really neat how with these kind of polytheistic religions, you know, with Greek mythology and the Sumerian mythology and stuff, how more humanized the gods are. You know, because like with Christianity, it's so, you know, Jesus is like the the 
the penultimate son, and then you have the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost, and all that. And you know, it seems so out there. I feel like in the writer's room of Christianity, they just looked at everything they already had and were like, okay, so like, it feels less realistic because we can sort of relate to these gods. They're too, they're too human. The new one has to be inconceivable. Yeah, and see, that's what kind of throws me off with it, though. Because the other stories that, you know, we've talked about tonight, they're, they're much more down-to-earth Yeah, in a way. You know, they, Even they, though it's fantastical, it's still more down-to-earth. Yeah, there, there's more, like, more of a direct correlation between the two. Like, you know, they, they, have, they play a part in each other's lives, well, those, so to speak. Those kind of religions didn't survive because there wasn't a positive afterlife, I think. No, they are all pretty bad. That yeah. that's actually the last tablet that deals with Gilgamesh is it's kind of like a prequel in a way that Gilgamesh lost some stuff to the underworld and he entices Enkidu to go down there and get it for him and Enkidu Gilgamesh tells Enkidu what not to do while he's down there so he doesn't get trapped and Enkidu does exactly that. Gets trapped. Yeah. Oh, I got to sneeze. And yawn. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> a snyan? <coughs> anyway, Inkadu... Is it a snan or is it a yeez? I like yeez. Yeez. Yeez! <laughs> 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 but uh, Inkadu does all the things that he's not supposed to do while he's in the underworld and gets trapped there. And this upsets Gilgamesh to no end. And... One of the gods takes pity on him and opens up a, a hole in the ground so Inkadu's ghost could come out and tell him what was going on down there. And it doesn't seem real nice. Yeah. They, they touched on the underworld. of so, so, like, there's another Greek story that I thought was pretty tragic and sad. Is it the one about Hades and Persephone? Maybe. The guy lost his wife to, like, a snake or something. And he ended up going to the underworld somehow and convincing Persephone, or convincing Hades' wife. Yeah, that's Persephone. Yeah. And Hades was, he was like, he begged, he did all this crazy stuff. He crossed the river with the ferryman. He gave him a piece of gold or whatever. Got all the way up to Hades' throne and was like, I need my wife back. I want her back. You can't have her back. She's here. She's mine. That's it. That's works. Lord of the Underworld. She's mine. He's like, but I want her so bad. And, you know, <laughs> fucking, I think he played a song. I think he was a musician. Yeah. He played a song for Persephone. And uh, she was like, let him have him. And eventually, Hades caved. Or either Persephone caved one. I think maybe, maybe Hades told him no, but Persephone was like, that thing you did with the, with the harp, that was pretty sexy. You can have her. and she was like okay you can have her but how you're gonna get her you're gonna turn around you're gonna walk back the way you came you will never come back to the underworld and she will be following you the whole time and if you turn even once oh yeah i've heard this story before turn even once she belongs to hades yeah you'll never you'll never see her again isn't this how like uh I want to say Cleopatra, but that's not it. Um, 
the woman with the snakes for for hair turns into Medusa. Isn't this how Medusa became a thing? Mm -mm, That's a whole different story. No. Yeah. uh, She pissed off. She was a hot girl who pissed off Aphrodite. Uh, Yeah. And Aphrodite's like, fuck you, bitch. And there was really, she didn't do anything wrong. Medusa was just a really pretty girl that people said was really pretty. So pretty that she rivaled even Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was like, fuck you, that's not cool. I don't like that. Yeah, Aphrodite's like the the god of hot chicks. Yeah. And I'm hotter than you. <laughs> My head is a bigger. But. Yeah. She wasn't, apparently. <laughs> apparently not. Yeah, Medusa actually was hotter than her. Yeah. But no, I, I I know what you're talking about with the, you know, if he turns around, she turns to stone or whatever, and she's vanished to the underworld forever. Yeah. And, and he, he couldn't. Well, he, Re- he he couldn't resist looking at his lover. Well, he made it. Uh, let me tell my story, goddamn! I'll oh. let you talk for an hour. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. <laughs> no, hey, uh, yeah, he gets back in the boat. He goes all the way back to the underworld. He gets, he's going up the fucking steps. He can see the light to the real world, and he's like, "Well, before I go, I just want to make sure she's actually there before we walk through the door." And he looked over his shoulder, and he's seen her, and then <laughs> disappeared, gone. That fast. She was there the whole time. Yep. But, yep, he lost her. And that was the end of that story. That's it. It's over. Sad ending. Yeah. Whoops. A lot of Greek stories are like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's not really a good ending. Yeah. I like the story. uh, You know, Apollo is the god of the sun and the god of music. Uh, I didn't know he was the music. I knew he was the god of the sun. He, um... He drives the chariot across the sky to bring the dawn. So, uh, Hermes. Yes. You know, he's my favorite character in Hercules. Yeah. (laughs) Hermes is really cool. Like, you heard the origin of Hermes? Uh, he was a messenger. He actually wasn't born a god. He was a titan. Oh. He was born a titan. And, uh... He invented the very first instrument. It was a pan flute. And he was just playing it in his cave as a child. And But he was a ridiculously intelligent child. What he did, he made the flute and played it so beautifully and so perfectly that he would catch the ear of anyone passing by. Apollo passed by. Mm-hmm. And Apollo had to find out where the music was coming from. He traveled down, stepped into the cave. This is before the Titans were banished. Um, and, you know, he goes into the cave where Hermes is playing the pan flute. He's like, hey, that's, that's pretty cool, that thing you're doing with all the organized sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And Hermes was like, yeah, that, uh, you want to learn? I'll teach you how to play. And Apollo's like, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. I can get bitches with that. Yeah. And Hermes was like, okay, I'll teach you, but that'll make you the god of music. What that'll make me? Apollo's like, oh, that'll make you. Exactly. I want to do something. I want a job. I want a real job. I don't want to sit in this cave anymore. I'm talking about, he was born like three fucking days ago. Hermes. (laughs) 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 You know? Yeah. And so, yeah. They bargained so that he could, uh, he wanted to travel. He wanted to see all the gods. He wanted to make friends with all of them. He wanted to be able to speak and, you know, make face with everyone. Mm-hmm. And Paul was like, all right, well, 
We need a messenger. You'll see every fucking body. You know, you will see everyone every day. He's like, all right, cool. I'll be the messenger god. Done. Deal. Give me some wings. <laughs> <laughs> fucking. And he gave him some shoes. Yeah, that's how he became the messenger. Because he, he, bri- he literally bribed Apollo with music. Music was created by Titan. That tracks. Uh, yeah. Well, that was fun. That was a fun podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we got to talk about all kinds of great stuff. Yeah. Gilgamesh is a really interesting. I'm telling you, you should read it. I'm gonna. Like, it's it's not very long. It's like twenty pages. Jesus. Yeah. Well, they were carving this shit in fucking stone when they ever. Yeah, you know, and there's the tablets because like, they have the the real tablets and stuff and. I'll have to tell you the story about like where all these things have gone because weird people have bought these things illegally and traveled them all over the world. And uh, they're back in a museum in, it's, I don't think it's Israel. I want to say it's Iran or Iraq, one of those. Um, but they've, they've gone all over the place. But they have the OG tablets. They got them. From 4,000 years ago, they're a little cracked up and some parts are missing, so they don't have the entire story. Did I tell you about that fucking, uh, that tablet they found, uh, near a marble quarry? Mm-mm. It was, you know, it was literally just a tablet that was hammer and chiseled. And you want to know what it is? What? It's a fucking, it's a, it's a Karen letter. Like a pissed off email? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a howler. It's a hate mail. It's a, it's a nasty gram. Wow. Fucking somebody sent him the wrong rocks. <laughs> <laughs> he ordered some really specific rocks. And they sent him the wrong ones. And he wrote, the, he fucking hammer and chiseled a fucking complaint and wow. sent it there. And it survived the ages. Wow. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Oh, before we before we turn off, I learned something the other day too. So you know, okay, like with English, you write from left to right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of other languages like um, uh, Urdu, or like the language that a lot of like uh, is Islamic people and a lot of the Middle Eastern countries and those type places, they write from right to left. You know why that is? Mm-mm. So the left to right writing came about because of pen and paper. So the languages that came about later on, you know, when pen and paper was available, that's why they write right to left because it's easier because most people are right-handed. That's just a statistical fact. Yeah. It's easier to write with pen and ink. Left to right. Left to right. You don't smudge the paper up. Whereas the languages that go from right to left with their physical writing, those came out of places that were using stone tablets. So they're, you know, usually much older language. So that it's easier to go from right to left if you're having a hammer and a chisel chiseling out the words than it is to go left to right. Because your right hand is your hammer hand. Yeah, because you're looking at where you're going. So with, technically, it, when you hammered in, in the hammer and chisel days, everyone was left-handed, kind of. No, you're holding you, the pencil you held, with your left hand. You held the chisel with your left hand, and you, you held the hammer with your right hand. Exactly. So the chisel is the pencil. Yeah, but it's not 
But still, your hand is what has to, you know, set the stroke. I mean, yeah, but that's a lot easier to do than to hit a hammer with your left hand. I don't know if you've tried to hammer anything left-handed, but I can't fucking do it. I can do it. Well, I'm blacksmith. I mean, I can do it, but it's not good. Hammering a nail sucks. Yeah, and that's basically what you're doing with a chisel. You're, you're fine point, not beating steel, you yeah. know. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, there's a little factoid because for you. chisel's in your left hand, it makes sense for you to move from right to left. Yeah, and it has mostly to do with like seeing where you're going and still being able to write correctly. And we don't know what the fuck the Japanese are doing. Yeah, they're going up and down. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, you can see the paint strokes. That is definitely like... It's not an ink and... It's not a pencil and paper thing. It's no, that was paintbrush. That was real deal calligraphy. They, they wrote with paintbrushes. Yeah. There is an art... That, dude, there is an art form in writing. You know, with calligraphy and stuff I have learned. I'd be seeing you use the, the old-timey ink pen. Yeah, I like my fountain pens. Yeah. I'm not... I, I, I haven't even considered doing anything like that. But okay. It's... uh. It's almost one in the morning. We should wrap up. Yeah. Well, that's been a good good podcast, man. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. This was this was a fucking This is this one had a whole different vibe. This was the smartest one we've ever done. Yeah, it's a smart even though, you know, we kind of chime in and ruin each other's stories. Well, we're we're dumb dudes talking about smart guy stuff. Yeah. I'm going to have to put some dick jokes in here and there. <laughs> <laughs> Just for my own sanity. Yeah. But uh yeah, this has been the I'm not going to work tomorrow podcast. And there's not a chance I'm going. There's not a chance in hell I'm going either.